0: Recording.
1: Oh, and now I am recording. We are recording.
0: We're both we recording. Are. Okay. That's Hello. great. That is great. Hello. Hello. I, you know, I get a lot of feedback on how we start episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least 30% of our listeners say how great they love the start of our episodes. So that's three people?
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know I could do math. 30% of 10 is three. So, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Obviously, we had a bit of a technical snafu yesterday with the episode we recorded, which hopefully we will still be able to get out there. But uh, because I just felt like it was such a great episode. And we talked about some really cool things about the movie and stuff outside of the movie. So actually, we decided today to kind of discuss uh, things unrelated to movies in a sense, which we've never done before, and so I'm kind of excited to talk about this, but really, you were the catalyst for this conversation that we had, and so the the theme or topic of today, uh, and I loved this title you gave it, is Transparency in Training, which we will get to later on, but why don't you share with our listeners, and again with me, kind of what brought this on, what new happened to you within your training or your physical endeavors that made us kind of start talking about this. So that was
0: so many hours of podcasting ago that I almost forgot. But uh, (laughs) the truth is, so over this weekend, you know, I I have, I have substantial years playing soccer Mm -hmm. and over this weekend due to COVID, I haven't been playing soccer that much, but got back on the field with a couple of friends. Uh, The second time I've done this uh, in the last month and a half. And I was able to do a move that I always wanted to do in the past. And sometimes I've done it without, uh, a defender on me. And that's, it's known as the Zidane roulette. And, uh, I did it. Uh, I tried it five times on Sunday and was successful the final two times. And one time it was against one defender. And then I decided to try it again and it was successful against two defenders. And, uh, you know, I texted you right afterwards saying, you know, this is ex- the direct result of our training with, uh, Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham, uh, and also my, basically my stay at home Kung Fu that I've been doing, you know, following, uh, some I'm doing reptile turns over, which is a hung foot move from seafood Don Naim, and also mm-hmm. doing nitro kick. And it's, I think the move requires both feet and I've always had a dominant foot. My right foot is the dominant foot. My left foot is the planted foot for, you know, when I'm doing moves or taking shots, et cetera, but like I've how now have this new balance and. And finding like life, life within soccer after soccer, and it's it's it was a lot of fun. Very so that's cool. That's where we started the conversation.
1: Yeah, and so it's funny you mentioned with Sugarfoot that Sugarfoot kickboxing because footwork is essential, right? And you know, even me, I've been training with Sugarfoot coming on now five years, and ninety nine point nine percent of the curriculum I've done so many times and I've got down. But there is still the occasional move we do where. I have to almost think about it, right? The very intricate footwork. And those are the ones that are most similar to soccer. And sometimes they'll even tell me, son, it's like it's like soccer, it's like you're kicking the ball and moving. And I was like, Petey, sente, I gotta <laughs> let you know, I was terrible at soccer. I found you Italian. And I was like, yeah. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I was <laughs> terrible at soccer. Where I grew up actually, soccer was pretty popular uh, when I was a kid and my older brother played, but I was just terrible. But for listeners and myself who
0: don't know, what is this? The name of this move in reference to who is this player? Zou? So it's in reference to Zinedine Zidane. Okay, uh, he was the former. Uh, uh, he's now the Real Madrid head coach, but uh, head manager. But he was uh, he was he was considered one of the greatest of his generation, and maybe one of the greatest of all time. He played a creative center forward, or a creative center mid for uh, the French national team. Juventus and Real Madrid, as well as a few other teams, uh, leading up to that. But he's 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 you know he's, he's considered one of the most uh, innovative players, and he did it with such elegance and grace. So to be able to emulate him was you know something uh, that I always wanted to you know I always wanted to do. I mean, there they're there are greats like Pele, Maradona, and I put Zidane right up right up there among that class.
1: So pretty much, he's one of the greatest of one of the worst sports. Yes. yes. Ooh, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, as a, you know, competitive martial artist, I appreciate all sports. Growing up, there was definitely certain ones I just had zero interest in. But it's funny, my traveling the world, I actually got exposed to a lot more sports uh, that some I'd never even heard of, like Australian football and stuff. And you really began to appreciate the athleticism that goes into all of these physical endeavors. And really, anytime someone reaches the pinnacle of their sport and can be remembered for so many years afterwards, that's impressive. I don't care if it's ping pong, uh, cricket, you know, sports I'm not familiar with. Just like for me, when I moved to China, they love uh, badminton. Yeah. Yeah huge especially in Guangzhou it's like we're some of the best players in the world I'm like Batman, that game you like uh, you know played as a kid with your grandma maybe or something but it's huge and they take it super seriously I was like all right I get it I get it but that's 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 awesome
0: no uh, no thank you very much uh it it it, it definitely was often awesome to experience it is definitely related to finding balance uh on both legs to be able to do that (laughs) because you know like I said before, I could do it without a defender present, but if a defender was present in the past, like they're going to kick the ball out from underneath. Right. Uh, and this but, just goes uh, to
1: show, this is another thing I want to point out to people that this this old misconception of, okay, yes, obviously you're going to reach a certain point in your life where you're of an age and maybe you can't perform as well as you once did. But this is coming from somebody that's been playing soccer for, I'd imagine over 20 years, right? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. And okay, yeah. and so uh, yeah, it, definitely, it, 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 actually, yes, yeah, uh, and so for you now at this point to be able to finally pull off this move just goes to show that age truly is a number. You know what I mean? And yes, you're yeah. not playing in like a semi-pro, or this wasn't in one of the leagues you play in necessarily. It's two on two, but you still did it, and that's very impressive. And but oh, no, it was great.
0: And yeah, the first time I did it, it was against uh, uh, one of my former former teammates uh, workers And so the second time he, we switched teams and he wanted to body up on me to see if I could literally to see if I could bust it again. And, and, uh, you know, um, uh, I feel like I did. And, and if he's listening to the, if he's listening to the podcast, he'll let me know if I did, if I didn't, but yeah, after the movie, he's like, great move. You, you pulled it off. The best part is also
1: is the fact that you've been practicing your hung foot. So if he decided he wanted to fight you. Yeah. It's, forget it's about oversun. it. Forget forget I'm going to reptile
0: forget. turnover all over him.
1: Yeah, what I I am reptile
0: turnover,
1: but uh, uh, and it's funny actually because I've only ever done one class of Hung Fu with Sifu Don. I was very privileged to do a class with him, and it's it's a Southern traditional Kung Fu style that I approve of. Well, at least Sifu Don's training methodology and way of approaching yeah. it. Just like there's plenty of great Wing Chun schools, but unfortunately, for every great trainer of a like traditional Kung Fu system that you find, you're going to find 10 terrible ones. And I mean, unfortunately, that's just kind of the trend with a lot of traditional martial arts, uh, but it seems especially so with the current trend of Chinese martial arts schools. But that kind of segues nicely into this idea that we were discussing yesterday, and that's transparency and training. So with technological innovations of the last 20 years or so and social media and everything else, we now have exposure and connection to so many different people all over the world. And that includes world-class athletes, world-class trainers. You know, you can do all of your physical training via Zoom and stuff if you want to now, or YouTube videos or this or that. And this kind of home workout market, it's, it's not necessarily that it had never been done before, you know, starting with any sort of home entertainment system, whether it was VHS, Betamax, in those early days, we had like home workout videos, right? Jane Fonda was huge in the early eighties and was part of that boom of even VHS sales and so forth. But nowadays it's, it's nice because you have so many different options, a lot of times for free or a lot of times more economical in the sense of you get like a new workout every day, as opposed to, well, I've got my one, you know, aerobics video that I've watched over and over again. And, But with that also comes a warning, or I guess you might call it a cautionary tale of doing your due diligence and research and who you're watching and what they're doing and how to apply it to yourself. And this is where we come into this idea of transparency in training. So, and I would often tell my clients this for maybe listeners that don't know, I work primarily as a fitness professional for the last, uh, oh my gosh, six years. And that's what I did to put myself through my amateur fight career up to this point, and also to support myself through grad school. And I would often tell my clients, you know, they'd maybe see, uh, especially like YouTube influencers, they'd ask me, have you seen this guy? Or have you seen this guy? Look at this video, look what this person does. And, you know, most of the time, it's yes, they're actually doing it but even these workouts that they sometimes tell people or these moves they show, they won't be a hundred percent clear on their particular training methodology or even honest about it. So for example, let's say it's a very intricate body weight jumping exercise. Like we'll, we'll call it a scorpion burpee kick or something. And it's like, okay, well, first of all, how do I apply this into my workout? And this is not to say that Not everybody doesn't give you this full information, but so many don't. So they'll just show this move and blah, blah, blah. It's like, all right, well, you know, how do I put this into my workout? When do I do this within my workout, which is key and essential, you know? Am I doing it for reps? Am I doing it for time? Uh, Do I need to do all my dynamic stretches and everything first and my warm-up? And I'll tell you right now, yes, typically. But, you know, a lot of casual viewers may not even know to do this stuff. So that's why... You need to make sure that, and well, it's kind of like anytime you you watch a video, do something like, please contact your you know uh, health physician first before starting any sort of exercise program. And that's actually very sage, great advice. But a lot of times you're going to have these influencers, especially, and you, you have to know whether or not you can trust this person. Are they the real deal? What's their background? And that's another part of this transparency is I'm very nitpicky about finding out individual's background, like where they came from, whether it's from martial arts or fitness, like what makes you such an expert, you know, especially if not to sound superficial, but on, if on outwardly appearance, I am questioning you, I'm going to want some more detail about your background. And this could be from the way they perform their moves or perhaps being very judgmental, even the physique, but you know, in the realm of fitness, that's kind of important. And I'm of that. But, uh, so, I, uh, so, you know, because why should I trust you in that sense? You know what I mean? And especially with the influencers, that's the thing, these people that have yeah. made themselves based solely off of, I'm a YouTube influencer, I'm an Instagram influencer, and there's so many fake martial arts guru guys doing this now. And I'll admit, sometimes they're pretty entertaining, but a lot of them aren't even doing it for the entertainment value. They're doing it for, I'm going to teach you how to do this. And I'm a master of 15 different styles. And then, and then, and then. And someone who has been doing martial arts his whole life, I can tell you, it's hard enough to quote unquote master one style, and truly, you never really master any style, right? That is, if you have the right mindset uh, of training. Like even me, you know, people are like, "Well, man, especially when you've moved up there, you know, there's a a a market for doing like you know kickboxing and stuff, and you should open up your own gym." And Mm -hmm. I'm one of those people that's, if anything, overly transparent about my own background stuff. It's like, yes. I've been doing martial arts my whole life. I've been doing fitness all of my adult life, uh, you know, and even me, I don't feel qualified enough to be like a, you know, a martial arts, real like sensei or a, you know, crew in Muay Thai or a coach really. And I, you know, I've, I've done a decent amount, but I still don't feel that I qualify in that sense because I hold such a high standard. So when these other people, you know, go and become these kind of influencers or, and are telling people how to do all this stuff, I expect them to be of the highest level. And a lot of times these guys, you know, even if you try to dig deeper and go to their website, it's like, hi, I'm so-and-so and and I teach so-and-so and And that's it. It's like, well, who, who is, who is
0: your teacher? What was your background? What did you do? It's funny because like, you know, earlier you were saying like you quoted R. Kelly ain't nothing but a number, like in reference to like my soccer. Right. Right. Uh, It's the same with like some of the, some of the influencers, some of the trainers that are out there with their eight minute abs and et cetera. You know, sometimes I do look at the age of people. And if I see that they are under a certain point, like under a certain age, I might not put as much weight into what they're doing. Not because, because it might not relate to me, mm-hmm. uh, because they, you know, I remember when I was like a particular age and, you know, I had particular, I did let me be more specific. Cause I think when I'm not specific, it can, it's very vague when mm-hmm. I was, you know, playing soccer four days a week, I would also add in, uh, some kickboxing or some Kung Fu. Now I could record, Hey, look at this five minutes of like kicking, uh, and then that's, that's how I get my physique. You know, I, I sometimes feel as though there pe- people are doing things outside of just that eight minute workout. I, I, I'm probably uh, losing the thread here a little bit, but the whole, the whole point is sometimes you come across a trainer and you, you disregard the age, whether they're someone as experienced as. The two trainers we've mentioned, PD and Don, or whether it's somebody who's, you know, fresh, but just has this great knowledge and also a great ability to teach. But a lot of times when I'm when I'm popping on these videos uh, and just seeing this eight minute ad, I'm seeing somebody with like 12 abs. I'm like, OK, did you really get it just from the eight minute? How how is this integrated into the rest of your workout throughout the week? How is this integrated with your nutrition? And, you know, and when, when I first, when I think when I said transparent, you know, transparency and training, it was in reference to you saying like, you know, I really appreciate what you're doing on your, on your, uh, social media kind of releasing, you know, your background where you've been working on your, um, cardio, because that was an area where you, you felt you needed to focus and now you're shifting back into some weight training and, mm-hmm. uh, and, When you're shifting back into the weight training, you're not just saying, Hey, the, this is, this is what I'm doing with weights. You reference it to the areas you've been building up and Mm -hmm. working on. So people understand a full curriculum, uh, because honestly, if you, if we don't reference our full curriculums, uh, when we're training, people will run the risk of injury. Mm -hmm. Like there are these like beginner, beginner martial art classes or something online and I can jump right into it. And, and, but the truth is, if I haven't done a proper warm up beforehand, I run the risk of injury. Uh, and so when you're putting a whole curriculum together, even in just a, you know, a comment section, you're, you're being transparent and letting people know, uh, understand the journey that, that you've taken, but also understanding the amount of work that they might have to put in when they're going to take on a particular workout.
1: Right. And even a lot of, uh, not so much the influencers, I'll say trainers or people that post on social media and these workouts are very scientific and broken down They say, you do this, you rest here, you do this, this is the whole workout and it's great. But also sometimes it's like a question of, wait, do they actually do that workout? Or, you know, because a lot of people look at someone and say, I want to be like him or, you know, particularly, you know, or, Uh, even my wonderful partner, Jessica will sometimes see some of these influencer trainers and she'll be like, Oh, I want a butt like hers and blah, blah, blah. And this routine she's doing is a great little like home workout thing. But I have to remind her, I guarantee you that's not what she does for herself all the time. Not at all that, you know, she is using weights because you can tell from the buildup of her physique, you know, she obviously works with a heavy enough weight to be in that hypertrophy range to add that muscle mass. So these little workouts, they do can be great for home workouts and everything else, but it's also not necessarily going to make you look like that individual. And I mentioned this before, when we were first recording yesterday, that I discovered early on in my fitness journey, that it's also good to find someone, whether it's a fitness guru, or if it's for your particular sport, or say the example for me was I was very into bodybuilding when I, uh, was around like 17 or 18, I got into it pretty serious because I was a skinny little Italian kid and I wanted to add muscle mass. And so for me, you know, I would look up to so many of these legends in the sport, but then I would a lot of times you buy, like, let's say, muscle and fitness magazine, and it gives you their workout, right? Well, is this this, you know, and sometimes you get more of a detailed thing. This is my chest workout for three weeks, this is then, but other times it's like, wait. How many days a week do you do this? Or and what else do you do with this? And on top of that, the thing you have to think about is when you choose one of these guys to follow, you kind of want to make sure that, let's say, in terms of bodybuilding, that this person kind of has a similar build for you. You know what I mean? So if you're five foot five, you might not want to follow the same sort of curriculum as, say, Lou Ferrigno, who, for people that don't know, is about like six five or six six, right? Instead, you're gonna wanna follow maybe like Franco Colombo. Uh, Mr. Olympia, former training partner of Arnold, may he rest in peace, who was about that height, like five, six or so, and vice versa. Let's say you're a really tall, skinny dude, you're like six, six, and man, you just want to put on some weight. What Franco Colombo did might not work for you, but hey, Lou Ferrigno, look at this guy. We're, you know, about the same height, and he started off with a similar build as me. So that might work for myself. And, you know, I used to buy these magazines, and the other problem is it's not just transparency on let's say the fitness individuals part it's also the responsibility of the individual yourself to do your due diligence and research and sometimes just read the whole damn article i was 100 mm-hmm. guilty of flipping to the back of it all right oh man look at his chest okay all right here's what he does and sometimes in the articles they would actually explain stuff but we as viewers, we want that instant information. We want that instant satisfaction. And we have a tendency to skip over the detailed explanation, which is actually key and essential in reaching that next level. And that's why, for me, what I've always found works best, even to this day, and call me old school, is I really like to buy books, whether it's, uh, you know, a championship fighters conditioning book or a well-known trainer who has trained multiple champions book, because with books, I feel like you just get everything. And then usually in the end, you'll get the full workout plan and they are extremely transparent. They will break it down week by week, day by day, this by this. And same thing goes for like bodybuilding. you know Uh, When I bought Arnold Schwarzenegger's, the new encyclopedia of modern bodybuilding, that thing is like this thick. Mm -hmm. And once again, it has breakdowns of multiple plans. And uh, probably the biggest bodybuilding influence for me when I was still doing that, you know, it's, I'm like 12 years removed almost from that era of my life, but uh, was Mr. Frank Zane. And I, he, his books, he he sold personally himself. This is like a pre, you know, the, the new age self-publishing is quite simple almost, but this, he used to do this like before on his own. And when you'd buy his books, he specifically broke everything down for you. That was the whole thing. He was very scientific. And for me, I found that was the best way was a make sure I'm getting all the information and B make sure I'm absorbing all the information. Otherwise it's not even just matter of hurting yourself. It's a matter of doing useless repetitions and doing the same program, say for like six months when, Oh wait, if I would have read this, I would have known that two months in, I'm supposed to switch the amount of reps and the time I do this and that. And that's why I've just plateaued and I'm not hitting any
0: gains. Yeah. It's funny because you're, so when I, um, when I was training in soccer regularly, I would pick up Japanese soccer magazines
1: Okay. and they
0: would have a, uh, you know, a feature on a particular soccer player. So let's just go back with Zidane Zidane. They would actually have a feature on him. They would have usually a graph built out and showing where his strengths are like tackling, dribbling, passing. And they, so you, you see this graph within the circle and get like, get like where his strengths were. And then they have a breakdown of his moves and they would actually show it visually visually they would show the pictures but then they would have a breakdown in scale of of like what with a with like a model uh showing here's the foot on the ball moving it so the idea of being of picking up literature and reading so you can gain a better understanding and actually know how to apply um whether it's weight training soccer or you know you and I—we've exchanged a lot of martial art books. Whether it's uh, <laughs> that, no, no,
1: you have treated me too, like going to these bookstores, finding them, and then suddenly two weeks later in the mail, I've got one in the mail. So thank you very much for all the the
0: kind uh, books you have sent me. Well, but I mean, you—you—that's you, that's the whole point. Like you and I, we—it—and yeah. I would encourage our listeners to like if the best way to actually mine deep into uh, whatever your curriculum is, whether it's martial arts or whatever your, your, your genre is, whether it's, you know, soccer or weightlifting or, or just a general cross training to, to find someone that you connect with, find someone who is physically, you know, what you're aspiring to and also, you know, fits your, your physical, you know, you know, matches what you, what you are in a sense, like not 65 and doing a five foot five workout and then finding out if there's literature from that person or by that person, and then mining into that because that's where you're really going to get all the, all the finite details. And then of course, ultimately is if you, if you seek out someone uh, or seek out that person specifically, and you know, sometimes uh, sometimes they have time for you and you can start training with them, which is, you know, what happened with, with Don and myself and, you know, same with you and, and Petey.
1: Yeah. And, uh, kind of final note on that before I segue into the next part. So let's say sometimes you may buy one of these books or something, and you may know a lot of the information, but you can sometimes get just one thing out of said book or said program or whatever. And if it becomes beneficial and something that you use for the rest of your workout journey for the rest of your life, then awesome. It was worth it. For example, uh, I, God, I remember it was back when I was still in Thailand, or excuse me, in China, and I was visiting Thailand, so I must have bought, either which way, I bought an old Bill Superfoot Wallace book about, hmm, well, maybe seven years ago or so now, and just, I like to collect too, I'm a collector, right, so I'll collect these old books, but it was his, his stretching book, one of his many stretching books, I'm sure, I had one of his stretching VHS tapes as a kid, I still have it downstairs, but... There was a few, at that time, I was having a lot of issues with my elbows, mostly Mm -hmm. from just the impact of training, but also years of heavy lifting, not necessarily lifting properly either, my own fault. And so he had a few, as part of his warm-up drills, he had a few like elbow loosening drills in there. And I slowly started implementing them. And I swear by adding those to my daily stretching routine, my pre-workout stretching routine, my elbows have improved exponentially. Uh, Just these little things. So that alone has made... It's worth the whatever dollar purchase it was and been crucial for me in my training career. Because as we all know, especially when you're getting ready for a fight, a lot of impact is not just offensively hitting the pads, but absorbing hits, man, your elbows can get jacked. And before mine used to just get like instant pain. And to add to that, those stretches helped because when I started training with Sugarfoot and he made me, he was the first trainer that ever, first of all, he's brought my boxing to a whole nother level. But I, I never threw hooks in my fights, ever, ever. And he not only taught me how to throw a hook, the left hook's now my favorite punch uh, tied with the jab, but he also taught me how to extend my punches. Mm-hmm. And before, because of my bad elbows, I was never able to do that. You know, I could only punch it, you know, it, when it, when I was at like my bodybuilding biggest and I was in Thailand training and fighting, I was like, and like a T-Rex almost. And I'll never forget him. I was very fortunate in my first year of training for about the last two months of the year. I was the only fighter showing up, uh, because I hadn't technically started fighting under him yet. Cause he wanted to train me for a year before, you know, he put me in uh, a fight, uh, because, you know, he's like, you have a lot of potential. There's some things I want to work on. I was like, all right, cool. And all the other like fighters I was training with, whether you know it was Herman or anybody else, they had all, they were done for the year. They're like, all right, we're all taking the year off. So I kind of almost had like, two months to a month and a half where it was just he and I doing a lot of this one-on-one training. I remember he's holding the pads for me. I go to him. He's like, wait. And he steps back and I step forward towards him. He's like, wait, 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 don't move, son. Don't move. He like puts his hands, you know, touches my gloves, he's like, don't move, don't move. And he starts moving backwards. He's like, don't move, don't move. Now hit the pads. And I was like, and you instinctively want to just step forward. He's like, no, 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 just hit him. And slowly it's like every day was more and more tell. you know, if he would have told me I would have been able to throw a left hook, From so far away, I was like, no, you can't throw a left hook from that far, but sure enough, I can. And so that was kind of, I went off on a tangent there, but once again, I attribute a lot of that recovery of my elbows and rehabilitation of my elbows to some simple stretches I learned from an old Bill Superfoot Wallace book.
0: Those, uh, uh, I think his books might be my favorite books, by the way, Mm -hmm. because he just really goes into, into detail. Uh, and I don't, maybe it's because of the fact that he had to overcome some physical limitations and you wouldn't really think that there are physical limitations if you just watch him, but he really knows how to articulate, uh, articulate for maybe a fighter like, or a train, someone who's training in martial arts, like, like myself, who it's, it's sometimes it is a foreign language. It's using my body in a different way. And just to be able to read and see his examples, it just, uh, I don't know. He, he's, he's, a his books are a rare, um, uh, sort of a rare gem. I, I want to see that stretching book.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'll have to show you when you come up to visit, but it's funny, uh, speaking of him real quick, I follow him on Facebook and he does a whole like online curriculum for his students right now, because obviously he's not going around doing his seminars, but he posted a little video of him working the bag, and I believe Superfoot is seventy-five years old now. Yeah, and I was just blown away by how good his bag work
0: still is. I mean, I think, I, I yeah. Did you see that one? Yeah, I it did. It's it's phenomenal. He's got strength. He's just so relaxed when he's like. But it's I don't know. He's he's, he's fantastic.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. And it's it, it, it's funny because I posted the other day that video of Gary Daniels shadow boxing and his kicks are just mind-blowing how good they still are and then you see bill superfoot wallace and it's kind of a throwback to what i was talking about at the beginning of the podcast where you know age doesn't really matter if you consistently train you can maintain an amazing level of physical abilities and martial arts abilities more specifically but i mean the the, the,
0: go ahead yeah i mean just on that on that note alone uh I mean that—that's one of the reasons why I just uh, love—I love training with Don. He's out of state, but I mean, I'm even now I'm thinking about when can I get back to Nevada to train with him because just being inspired by by people and particularly by him, specifically by him, who've stayed in shape for so long. You know, uh, a lot of a lot of pro athletes when they retire, you see within two years that. When the when the structure is gone, the, the the body shifts, and I even experienced that as well. When I basically took a step back, I, I experienced this shift in my body as well. I mean, I was letting injuries mend and everything, but yep. to 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 work through that and be self disciplined, self structured, and self motivated to continue, uh, you know, uh, Bill Sugarfoot, uh, Sugar,
1: Bill Sugarfoot, Sugarfoot, well, well, yeah.
0: And for the people Bill that Superfoot. don't know,
1: yeah, remember Sugar, Sugarfoot Bill. got his name. Yeah. From From, Superfoot.
0: Yeah. So, but I mean, from Bill Superfoot Wallace and to Don and just seeing these guys who have maintained their health for so long and are able to continue to learn themselves, which then lifts the bar for us, but then also lifts the inspiration for us.
1: Don's a beast. And anybody who doesn't follow him on social media needs to because that guy, man, once again, like Zeke-wise, him and Gary Daniels at that age, they're, they're both just so ripped still. You're like, geez,
0: Louise.
1: And it's awesome, definitely not our grandfather's generation.
0: Yeah. That's for For, sure. Yeah, and I I interrupted you, you were about to make a a point.
1: Oh, I I just wanna say kind of my final note on this episode is, and that was what I was searching for on my phone just now, because I was like, damn it, I forgot to look it up. There's this quote and it's kind of mean, but it's stuck with me. And I remember it was from, I swear its from a Mark Wahlberg men's health magazine cover. And that's what I was searching for right now and I couldn't (laughs) find it. And the quote was, it was something along the lines of, I don't take advice from anybody not in better shape than me. And yes, it's 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 slightly mean, but at the same time, it's very relevant and true in a sense. And I, it's always kind of stuck with me. And obviously, there's exceptions to the rules, right? Like, you know, older people that were once great champions, whatever their sport is, whatever, or blah, blah, you know, obviously, they're going to get older and maybe not be in as good a shape of you. Or if you're a world-class coach with a proven track record of training phenomenal athletes of any or whatever, then yes, okay, that's another example. Or if you have the academic background to back it up with you know, data-driven results and stuff, yes. But most of the time, it's kind of true. Like if, and in throughout my fitness journey, I, I've actually, especially back when I was more into bodybuilding and stuff, it was kind of mind-blowing how often people would come up and, you know, try to give unsolicited advice. And that's something mm-hmm. I, I, I do not like. And I myself, as long as someone doesn't look like they're going to hurt themselves, whether it's like physical training or martial arts, whatever, I don't give any advice. I stick to myself. If I'm asked, I may kindly suggest something, but otherwise I'm like, yeah, no, I'm good. But it's another one of these things where you also shouldn't be following someone that if they don't have a proven track record and also aren't in better shape than you or have better abilities, you know, why would you really listen to them or follow them? If it's like, yeah. well, look, here are the the people I've coached and this is what they've accomplished under me. And here's their testimonial. Sure. But you also, even that you get like, you know, when I'm doing these deep dives on these guys and they'll be like, well, and I've coached these people and they'll make a list. And it's like, well, from your other accomplishments or lack thereof or credentials, it it seems highly unlikely. Did you just go and train with this person one time and maybe show them how to throw a weird punch you once learned and you count that as training them for this fight? You know what I mean? And people, it's not just a lack of transparency. It's just dishonesty. And you unfortunately for every great individual you find in the world of martial arts that has like a, an established code of whether it's Budo or whatever this martial spirit is, you're going to find a lot of hustlers and con men. And unfortunately probably people that didn't start off to be that way, but just have a lot of insecurities and end up going down the slippery slope where they just have to keep up the lies. And then that becomes almost heartbreaking. You know, we, we never like to see our heroes fall, but you know, sometimes it just happens. So once again, it's due diligence, doing your research, making sure this person is the real deal, and then finding the program that's best suited for you and getting the full information about the program to help you on your fitness journey, whatever sport that may be, or
0: whatever goals you may have. Yeah. And and we definitely, we definitely recommend reading books.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're old school and we love books. And I think everyone should read books still. Uh, I don't, I, you know, I read nonstop all day. And there is this convenience. Well, because the problem is also nowadays, a lot of the original print medium, we don't have anymore. I love magazines, man. I used to love to get magazines, but half the ones I used to get aren't even around anymore. So, you know, I find myself reading articles online a lot, but I I miss having the newspaper. You know what I mean? I agree. I agree. Yeah. And I mean, the other problem with books is obviously they take up space. So really uh, everyone start going back to the library. Yeah. Yeah, but any, any final
0: thoughts on this or uh stuff you feel we should cover real quick or I mean I, I think I, I think this is a good uh I think we've covered what we need to cover. I mean obviously uh I've written down thoughts over here, but um I think one of our objectives today was to talk about transparency to, you know, also talk about ourselves. I think the one thing I, you know, we talked about in the podcast that's, that unfortunately didn't record so well that we haven't touched on yet was like your specific training regimen and and reference back to the, your posts. I don't know if you want to expand on that at all, or just refer people over to that. Most definitely. So pretty much what I posted was, okay. So for me,
1: once again, I've now like the fifth time mentioning this growing up, small, skinny, Italian kid. Uh, I was not athletically gifted in any way, shape, or form. I started martial arts at a very young age, and I was by no means gifted at that either. You know, I, I chugged along, always did my de- best. My dad taught me to always do my best. I played basketball. it was okay. You know, I, was, I always had to work really hard to be at an even acceptable level, especially when you grow up in a very sports-centric town like I did. And so when I first got into kickboxing when I was in college or university, uh, I I had terrible cardio and that was left over from when I was a kid, just naturally really bad cardio. You'd think being so skinny and like, usually those kind of kids, Oh yeah, we'll put them in track. They can run miles. Now I used to run, I remember in junior high when running the mile, like the the best I ever did where I thought I was going to die afterwards, you know, like was an eight something. And that was me. And you know, that's not a terrible time, but that was me. Like yeah. oh. I I was more around that 10 to 12 minute range when really I should have been, you know, much, much faster than that. And so when I got into fighting, my cardio was terrible. I was, and also that has to do with my physical training. Once again, as I mentioned before, I was into bodybuilding and Mm -hmm. bodybuilding typically doesn't, isn't very cohesive to competitive kickboxing or MMA, you know, the larger muscles you have take up more of your blood flow, which therefore, you know, takes up more of your oxygen, et cetera, et cetera. So when I first started off, not only did I have terrible cardio, then I bulked up and I would just gas out after one round, like in my early smoker fights and gym sparring fights, uh, for people that don't know, smokers are like kind of unsanctioned fights, very, uh, more than a sparring match, but not a sanctioned bout. Right. And so I would just do terrible. And through years of learning and researching and buying a lot of books and buying books, you know, by well-established trainers, for example, like Martin Rooney's warrior cardio, uh, you know, buying books on how to functionally use weights and stuff, uh, specifically in that category, like uh men's health power training by Dr. Robert Remedios and this kind of stuff. I and then becoming a trainer myself, I was learning how to make my cardio more efficient and better. And then even when I first showed up to start training at Sugarfoot kickboxing, I was still, you know, one good round, maybe like half a second at best. I just still you know, especially when you're under pressure, and so through years of Sugarfoot pushing me, old school, like breaking you down and making you go past those limits that you didn't think you could, and having to, as we say, dig deep, and then also my teammate specifically Herman, who helped me a lot with the mental game, which mm-hmm. calms you down. Which for people don't know when you have that anxiety or nerves when you're stepping in a fight, that could also take up your cardio. So he helped me kind of learn how to do the mental game, both during the fight specifically in between rounds. And he also taught me cool little tricks on how to catch my breath mid round, right? You know, resting on your opponent, you know, when to take that deep breath and so forth and so forth. You know, I can comfortably say now that my cardio is the best it's ever been, still getting better and better. And I've learned how to maintain it year round, even if I'm not getting ready for a fight. So as I always say, I believe, uh, you know, in always staying in fighting shape. That doesn't mean competition shape, that would be unhealthy right? But always being in fighting shape, meaning let's say if a week from now I got offered some sort of tournament or something to go fight in, that I would not only be able to go and survive, no, I'd be able to go and win, even if I, you know, and that's a goal for me. And I can now comfortably say year round, I walk around with that level of cardio, right? And so that means, whereas before for like at least four or five years, it's been three days a week, max of my strength training, right? And it's been a lot of more circuit, training, nothing heavy. That also has to do with the car accidents I've been in, unfortunately, and I'll never be able to lift heavy again, but it's been much more cardio is the focus, circuit training based around the cardio, explosive this, you know, a lot of running, 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 which I still do, but you know, maybe not as far now. So I I can finally got to the point now where I can go back and focus on some of the strong points I brought into the game, like my strength and stuff. And so for the first time ever, not ever, excuse me, first time in years, I'm going back to a four day a week specific strength training routine, not circuit training functional, but not circuit, you know, breaking it down where I do a push day, pull day. Then for example, today uh, is not strength training. Then I do a push day, pull day again, four days a week. It's very old school. I'm not doing anything that's uh overly intricate. And, you know, I'm using all old school equipment, uh, mostly kettlebells, kettlebells, chin-ups, pull-ups, dips. So a lot of snatches, clean and press these, you know, Olympic lifts. Uh, And I'm really excited about it. I'm already feeling a difference. And as as our sensei would say, don't get it twisted. I'm still doing cardio six days a week and some, and I'm doing a lot of two days now because I have the time. So I'm doing two a days which is how I supplement still doing four to five days a week of kickboxing, you know, six days a week of cardio, and now four days a week of strength training. So if anybody ever has any questions, in fact, probably next week, I was thinking about screenshotting and literally putting my whole routine on there for people to see for this specific strength training. And I posted a picture where I said you know, this is literally all the equipment I'm using. I have already made like two slight changes. So I'll probably post a second picture. I'm like, yeah, I also added in my box jump just because once again, I, sometimes I, I know I can be nitpicky, but I'm overly transparent, right? I like to be a hundred percent honest, uh, whether it's with my, like working out or my martial arts stuff. And so, I've added a box jump and I'll probably be adding a medicine ball as well. I know it's only two little things, but I I, I just like to be hundred percent clear when I do my training.
0: Well, and, and-, and that's sorry that that's what's important because, and I think that's where the whole transparency comes in because if, if you're a novice or if you're just someone who is really wants to get better and w- better wants to get healthier uh, and they throw on these videos, if they're not going to see the results because they don't know the full curriculum of the person behind it and if if they see the full curriculum that like, you know what i don't have time for that but i have time for this much they at least know where their growth is going to be i, I so sometimes i i fear I, I don't like i guess my concern is when i watch these videos i'm seeing people i'm i'm you know vis- visualizing these people who are trying to get to that shape and they can't get to that shape based on this eight, only eight minute a day workout. Am I doing it twice a day? How many times, you know, there's no, there's no curriculum with that. It's just eight minute a day, do this for eight minutes a day. And you're not going to get to that point that they are in that video. And then they're going to get dissuaded and then stop and then slide back to where they were. And then if they have, you know, health issues, high cholesterol, high, Mm -hmm. you know, waistline, you know, borderline diabetic, it's not, it's going to become harder to start again, because it's always hard to start. But like when we were kids, the first time you did something, it wasn't that hard. The only thing you had to overcome was maybe being shy at something. But as you (laughs) get older and you've done something and then you stop, like to put my like soccer cleats back on, sometimes it's a little difficult. The shoe doesn't fit as well. You know, I want to do it, but I'm just saying like sometimes at the start of the season, after the, after like, uh, you know, at the start of the preseason, it was hard to put my stuff back on sometimes. Sometimes I still had injuries. And so if someone is uh, dealing with, uh, you know, dealing with health issues or wants to attain a certain goal when they're doing these eight-minute workouts and they don't know everything else that the person's doing, um, there's that potential of stopping and sliding back. And that's why that's why when I saw your post and I, I, yesterday's podcast that may or may not air at some point, I wanted to, like, point out my appreciation of, like, what you're doing.
1: Yeah, and I'd say a closing note because we could literally talk a whole episode about this, but, and, you know, oh, talking about the getting older and stuff like this, you can't out-train a bad diet. And diet becomes key, especially as you're getting older. Like, look at Tom Brady's phenomenal performance uh, at the Super Bowl this past Sunday, right? And he has taken his diet very seriously for years. And there's, you know, been a lot of, articles and so forth about it i know he experimented with being vegan uh, Mm -hmm. for a bit but then also it was uh, then later it like comes out like well no he wasn't a full-time vegan you know he would kind of go through phases or whatever this or that and but just goes to show that you can still stay on top of your game but man you need a good diet especially when it comes to things like abs if you want to see your abs and you want to see your obliques you know, for me, even with my personal journey, when I was into bodybuilding and stuff, I had a terrible diet. I knew nothing about dieting. I just thought the more I eat, the better protein shakes. Oh. And the funny part is I had like a decent, not great, but decent six pack in the front, right? You know, strong and this and that, but I had this pooch on the sides, like, the, you know, my no obliques, zero looking obliques and just, and, you know, literally a pooch. And there's pictures of me from that era where even when I was at my most swollen, like, yeah, and then you just see this on the sides. And it's so weird. Like it's like a six pack. And then, and it wasn't until I started tackling my diet, which was a slow, like learning journey as well, which began, uh, I specifically remember the end of 2013 is when I was really, and I was in Shanghai and I was just like, you know what? I got to take this more seriously. And I, I'm sure it'll benefit me. And then it was within the years after that, then suddenly
0: I started seeing my obliques. Can I, can I say one thing? Sure, uh, I uh, I think back in April, after having been shut down for, I guess we were like two weeks, three weeks into the shutdown, mm-hmm. I uh, sent a text to Don saying, "Hey Don, can I just show you how I'm, do- I'm doing my pushups?" You know, I'm, I I was seeing you know progress for you know first three weeks, but it, it kind of like it's uh, I'm no longer. Seeing that progress, which of course happened. so I sent him. Mm-hmm. I sent him the video, and he, <laughs> he responded with, "Have you ever tried intermittent fasting?" And I'm like, "Okay," <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, and I I had, but you know, mm-hmm. you know, when you're sitting at home and you're working on your laptop, or you're watching TV, or you're doing a workout in between, there's a lot of eating or munch that can go on during that time. Mm-hmm. And intermittent fasting is like, you know, planned intermittent fasting can really help with that, or helped me. You know, And we should probably get day.
1: someone, we should get someone on here, like a nutritionist or someone definitely, because I mean, I know a decent amount, but I am by no means, once again, being transparent, I don't have my degree yeah. in uh, nutrition or anything else like that, because just like all this training stuff we've been talking about. Not all diets are created equally and not all diets yeah. suit everybody else as well. Just like these training, you know, the, the idea of, okay, don't follow this guy's routine because it's a different sport from you. And he's seven feet tall and plays basketball and you want to wrestle. And, you know, it's also the same thing with dieting, uh, whether, cause as I tell my clients, it's, it's all with nutrition. Timing is key, right? It's like eating your meals at the right time, which that is across all I think important. But for example, a a program like intermittent fasting, which for listeners don't know, pretty much you fast 16 hours a day, you can eat within an eight-hour gap. The problem is, like for me, especially my lifestyle in LA when I was a full-time student running my small little fitness business, training full-time to fight, that would have never worked because I woke up every morning at 5 a.m., started work at 5.30, And I would, you know, usually, and on some nights when I had the full shebang, everything, I wouldn't get to bed till, uh, I'd say 10, right. I almost, I always made sure I got seven hours of sleep. Sleep is key. But the fact of the matter is if I only wanted to eat during an eight hour gap of that day, I would have died. I needed energy
0: and I needed fuel and I needed to eat more than that. So that's why that wouldn't have never worked for me at that time. Yeah. Everything is, everything has its season and everything, you know, each diet isn't meant for each person. So, but I, I just found it funny that like when I asked him about pushups, he's like, try intermittent fasting. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> All right, my man. Well, this was fun. This was uh this is cool. We, we should definitely do some more even because obviously this is still martial arts and fitness related, but we really didn't talk anything about movies. So maybe we'll do some more of these and maybe we can bring certain people on. As I said, Absolutely. I'd love to have like a high level nutritionist or trainer on here where we can, ask them our own questions and they can you know break stuff down but uh on that note this episode will be dropping soon we may decide to drop the other one that had major technical issues just because it was such a
0: great episode and i figured what the hell uh but yeah any final thoughts i i this this has been a this has been educational
1: all right and, my fun, man. and fun
0: yes and we will be recording again soon Pete.